Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. I'm super excited about the conversation that we are about to have today because I've been watching Rob Murgatroyd from a distance for a while as the crazy stalker guy, which we're allowed to do on Instagram and social media nowadays. But um, this guy is one of the most uh, well-connected. I've never seen him not smiling, enjoying life. And you're listening to the Investing for Freedom podcast right now. And one thing that you've probably realized about me is I appreciate my time. I appreciate my family. I appreciate great experiences. And the conversation that we're going to have today is with a man who is a curator of that, but also probably one of the greatest examples that I've seen. And I'm just really excited to unpack his story um, with you and for you, uh, because I think it's going to be super inspiring. So Rob, I appreciate you being on the show today. I am so happy to do it. I, you know, it's interesting because every time there is somebody that is on the periphery of all of my friends that I've never met, it's always peculiar to me. It's always like, how, like, why, how come he's with all of my friends, but I never met him and you're that guy. So I'm glad that we got a chance to do this. Yeah. Super excited. Um, so I have four questions that we always start out with and I can't, I was even debating like bucking the system because I just want to get so much, but can't do it. So who has had the greatest impact on your life? Oh, the great. So not just who has impacted it, who has the top number one more than anybody else. Yeah. Oh, God, man, that is such a hard question because there's so many people and it's so, um, okay. This is going to sound like, the craziest answer. Um, but Tony Robbins, mm. because I, I mean, like I'll give you just a little bit of background because I grew up um, in a really crappy environment and somebody handed me an unlimited, the power uh, unlimited. I, I took two of his book titles and put them into one uh, unlimited power. And I read it and it gave me belief that I could control my own circumstances and it allowed me to get out of a really crappy two bedroom Queens apartment with parents that were fighting and drunk and all just a mess and look at possibility. And I, and I often wonder, had I not read that book and used it as a trampoline to change my life, if I wouldn't have wound up very much like the situation I was in. So I would say Tony Robbins by, and I don't know him at all. And this is just totally, you know, from a distance. Yeah. I, I love that actually, because, you know, even as you're saying that, I think, you know, I've heard people say before that sometimes we just need somebody to give us permission. And I've, you know, I, I thought about that early on and I'm like, what does that really mean? But the reality is, and I'm so excited to unpack this uh, a little bit more in our further conversation down the road um, here in a few minutes, but Sometimes we just need somebody to show us what's possible. And, you know, whether it's through a book or whether it's through a video, 
And we're living in the best day. I think the best age ever, because we have so much access to so many amazing, brilliant minds. And the thing that you just pointed out, which is so exciting to me, you don't even know him and he's had the greatest impact on your life. And so there's really no excuses. I mean, again, I'm really excited for you to share with the audience about what's possible in the world. So, yep, yep, yep. You could narrow it down to one thing that has had the greatest impact on your success. What would that be? My ability to manage my state. Mm, Love it. How do you do that? I have a very good self-awareness. If I feel myself starting to dip, I get myself in check and I do whatever I need to do to keep my state in the place that it needs to be in to accomplish the goals that I want. Because it's state is everything. I mean, like if you, for me, it's everything. If you're trying to connect with your wife, if you are trying to accomplish a business goal, if you want to go to the gym, if you want to be a good dad, the, the state that you are in in that moment will dictate what happens. And I'll go further. I'll go further to tell you that I will see how my state is by how people are treating me. In other words, when my state is crappy, I guarantee you the next person that walks in the room is not going to be as friendly to me. So when I see somebody not friendly, I know it's me. It's not them. It's me because I'm not putting it out. So I'll, I'll go as far as to say that I manage my state by looking at the people around me. You know, it's such an interesting uh, viewpoint because we've been taught in sales and everything else mirroring and, but it's more of a tactic and what you just kind of blew my mind because, you know, I think so many times we think that, you know, everything is everybody else's responsibility and fault and everything else. And you're literally mirroring your environment and the external forces and realizing that it's because of you. That's one of those things that's going to anchor with me forever, man. Yeah. Super cool. Cool. What was your greatest setback and what did you learn from it? My greatest setback is a very, very, very complicated. Well, listen, baked into your question is, is do I still perceive it as a setback? Mm -hmm. So in the moment, was it a setback? Yes. Do I perceive it as a setback now? No. So with that caveat, if I can, from one podcaster to another, reword your question. Um, I would, (laughs) I would say the greatest setback for me was I was married um, before Kim and I took a trip to Greece and my wife decided that she was going to make out with the captain of the yacht that we hired and they wound up getting married and having two children. So that is two years of my life that I just gave you in 12 seconds And it was an absolute disaster in that moment, as you can imagine, floating around at sea with this situation and then coming home to getting divorced. And I just had a small child at the time Um, and my world came crashing in around me. I just built a a mansion, like a 10,000 square foot um, house on the lake. And I had, you know, what I thought was everything that I wanted at that time. And everything that I thought, you know, I had, I was a chiropractor, the, uh, the practice, the house, the wife, the kid, um, in a flash, um, the world was turned upside down. 
And so for me, I, I was like walking around, like shaking. Like I was just like, I was losing weight. I was shaking. And I remember, ironically, I was at a date with destiny event, a Tony Robbins event. And I never met Tony, but I did have a regular interaction with his wife. And so Sage is her name. And I got back from this Greece trip and she said, um, oh my God, Rob, how was Greece? And, and I said, uh, yeah, not good. And she's like, what happened? And I told her what I just told you. And she said, oh my God, this is great. And I said, what are you talking about? This is great. She goes, well, she's not your soulmate. Mm. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, you're, I said, well, why, how do you know she's not my soulmate? She said, oh my God, your soulmate would never cheat on you like that. Mm. She's not your soulmate. And I don't know what it was about those words, but it was so what I needed to hear that it just, it was so practical for me that I was like, oh, she's right. She's right. What am I crying over? What am I upset over? This is not, this is not supposed to be like, it's not like, like it just wouldn't happen. Like I wouldn't, like, I love my wife so much. I would never, I'm never going to go make out with some, you know, but lady on a bus, it's not going to happen. You know what I'm saying? So she wasn't. And, and, and looking back on that in hindsight, I realized that at that time uh, that, you know, she was the wrong girl. It wasn't, it wasn't a good marriage to begin with. And um, so, and, and then that opened the door to me meeting my now wife and, and who was just absolutely amazing and we have a great life. So that, that would be my answer. I love it. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. What a, what a powerful lesson. Yep. What is the piece of advice you find yourself sharing the most? Do more of what you love and less of what you don't. Mm. Love it. So it's a simple little concept, but it's like most people I think are spending so much time doing things that they think they need to do, they should do, that will accomplish the goal that they're after. But there's all these other things that they're not doing. And I think that they, if they just spent a bit more time doing things that they love to do, the worst thing that's going to happen is just, they're just going to be happier. I love that. The worst thing that's going to happen, you know, yeah. I, so that kind of leads me into, um, so, so we're done with the four questions and I just want to go a million directions with you right now. Um, yep. but so what does freedom mean to you? And is it the same answer to that? Do more of what you love and less of what you don't? Yeah, it's a little bit of an expanded answer. And it's, um, I want to be able to do what I want with who I want whenever I want as you know, as often as I want, basically, which is the same thing repeated, but what I want with who I want whenever I want. And that's really the answer. If I say, uh, Mike, I would love uh, for you and your wife to come down to Tuscany so we could just go chill and spend the week. Um, and then from there, let's go to Paris and let's experience like I, I just I don't I just want to be able to do what I want. Like I'm getting into fashion now, like living here in Italy, everybody's like has these crazy scarves and all kinds of weird shit that they're wearing. And I just find it interesting, you know, like I want to be able to like go into the store and buy what I want and dress the way I want. And I just don't like, I, I don't, I just want to do what I want to do is the short answer. Yeah. I love watching you from a distance and I want to start unpacking your story and I want to begin kind of with where you're at today. So 
why don't you share with my audience uh, where you're currently sitting? I am currently looking out the window on the Ponte Vecchio in Florence, Italy. I love it. And, you know, I, I was thinking about you yesterday after um, we had a call, I was on your show yesterday and so many, I've had so many conversations uh, and I'm going to make this really short, but one that I'm thinking of a few months ago, there was a, a, a girl that I know from back in the day, she used to be a tutor to my son and she reached out to me. This was, I mean, she, I haven't talked to her for 15 years. She reached out to me and I had a conversation with her and she was talking about their dream was to move from Nevada to Phoenix. And so I started unpacking. I'm like, well, tell me where you're at. What's your financial situation on and on and on. And come to find out they had like a million dollars of equity in several different rentals. Um, they're very frugal. There was all these reasons in her mind why she could not do what ultimately was freedom to them. It's more of what they loved and where they wanted to be. And in her mind, this was like a, you know, how do I spend the next 20, 30 years getting to the point where I can move to Phoenix? And my simple answer to her was, well, you guys could do that tomorrow if you wanted to. So it's just reframing it. So I would love to, I'm going to kind of let you just maybe just share your story because um, you walked away from, you mentioned earlier that you were a chiropractor, you had a successful practice, all of this stuff. And I think a lot of people would think, okay, well, Rob lives in Italy. And so he's probably, you know, this extremely wealthy, you know, centimillionaire or billionaire or whatever. And maybe you are, I don't know the answer to that, but I think you've really been intentional about crafting a life you love. Is that true? Yeah. Listen, it is not about, um, getting a big pile of cash for me, it's more income because, all right. So I had a really interesting conversation with a mutual friend of ours. Um, I was at dinner, uh, my friend, Darren, Jonathan, Chris Harder. And they were all talking about these. We're in Beverly Hills, right? Of, of all places. And we're talking about, this was right around the time of year where they were talking about what they wanted to, uh, what their goals were for uh, the upcoming year. And this one wants 10 million and this one wants 20 million. And I really felt like, I felt very inadequate because I, I, di I just didn't have this giant, goal that was there. And they were both starting to get annoyed with me. And I was like, what, like what they're like, look, dude, you don't understand. You have what you want. Why are you complicating this? Like, like you're good, like just enjoy your life. And I still wasn't getting it. He said, how much money do you want to make next year? And I said, 2 million. And <laughs> Chris goes, why? And I said, because it sounds like a lot. And he said, that's not a good answer. Yeah. And I said, so he said, look, tomorrow, let's do a Zoom and, and I'll show you what I mean. I was like, okay. So he said, I want you to pull your checkbook out and I want you to write down every bill you have for me. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, write down everything. So we did this whole exercise where I came up with every single penny that I was spending per month. And then he said, now I want you to give me your dream life. Tell me absolutely out of your mind, dream life. Not like I want to have 10 jets and 17 houses, but like the next thing that you want to do, that would be amazing. And so I was like, well, I want a villa in Tuscany. I want a Tesla. And I was really struggling. And I was like, uh, and I came up with a couple of things. I want to save X amount of dollars. I want to make sure my taxes are paid, blah, blah, blah. And 
he said, okay, so let's add up your current budget. And I added up my current budget and it was way more than I thought it was. I was spending way more money when I looked at how much, cause I was living in, in LA and I looked at how much money I was spending per month and how much dinners out cost. And it was a lot more than I thought. So I was shocked on that. But then when I looked at the dream life, it was way less than I thought it was going to be. And to cut to the punchline, my dream life, which included crazy things like a thousand dollars a week to eat out, um, you know, twenty five thousand dollars a year in clothing budget, a million dollar villa that that I would save X amount of dollars for uh, in five years. Um, all these different things. That number was 600,000. And when I looked at that number, I was like, 600,000, like, that's it? He's like, that's it. Now, to most people listening, they're probably like, well, that's a lot of money. Yes, it's a lot of money. I'm not saying it's not a lot of money. I'm just saying it's 600,000 to live the absolute dream life out of my mind, can't imagine any better. Like I literally sat down for an hour and a half with him and could not get any better of a dream life. And it was 600,000. And I was like, whoa, this is interesting. He said, okay, now, now I want you to write down, you said you wanted a Tesla, right? I said, yeah. He said, which one? And I, and I, I showed him which one. And he said, do you know how much that is? I said, are they, are they like 30 grand? He goes, that's 130. And I went, really? He said, yeah, it's 130. I was like, oh, he said, so when do you want to buy? And I said, um, I want it in two years. He said, okay, so we're going to take $65,000 next year. And we're going to pull that out of your 600,000. And I was like, no. <laughs> he said, well, what do you want to do with that? He said, when do you want to start saving for the villa? I said, he said, you want to do the Tesla first and then the villa? I said, sure. That sounds like a great idea. He said, so you have your villa in seven years. I was like, mm, okay. He said, so 65,000, do you want to take the 65 and put it to the Tesla or you want to take 65 and put it to the villa? Mm. And I went, I want to put it to the villa. Yeah. He said, so do you really want a Tesla? And I went, I don't even care. Yeah. <laughs> so that exercise rewired everything in my brain. Okay. So now I got 600,000. And then we came up with this idea, which I'm sure you get into, we'll get into. We came up with this idea of living in Italy. Well, Italy's a hell of a lot cheaper than LA is. So that number now is 400,000. So now for 400,000, I'm living the absolute dream. So it rewired everything in my brain. Instead of focusing on this weird, arbitrary number of why I wanted. And here's what I got from this conversation. Chris said to me, me, Darren, Matt, and all the other people that were there, we love this. We want 5 million and 10 million. We love the game. We want to build like just crazy. Like we love it. This is not your thing, man. You love people. You love traveling. You love life. You want to walk around doing whatever the heck you do in, in Italy all day long. That's you. Do you and live the life that inspires you. Take care of your retirement, pay your taxes, make sure your kids in the school that you want to be in, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But don't come up with some arbitrary number that you have nothing backed up behind it. That changed my life. It's amazing in the sense that um, 
I'm thinking about just the fact that he reframed that for you and, you know, told you to focus on what you wanted, but I'm thinking about all the people out there. And, you know, this is a common discussion that we have um, at investing for freedom and with my guests and people that I have on, but from the time we're little, it's go to school, get a job, um, you know, work till you're 65. And we are so programmed from the time we're born to compare ourselves to what number one society, but what other people um, have, you know, pre-fashioned for us, whether it's our parents or, or other people in the world. So I think it's really cool that number one, they loved you enough to say, man, this isn't your thing. But number two, that you figured that out and embraced it. How long had, how long ago was that? And, and how long did it take you to get to Italy? It was, it, it, we're in Italy three months and I'm going to say it was probably four, three or four months prior to us going to Italy that there were two pieces that got us to Italy. That was the, um, that was the first piece. What was the second? Well, I knew you were going to ask that. Um, the second, the second piece, I set, I set that up and I didn't mean to. The second piece was, so I think that this, so I'm a big sort of fan of, um, of creating a vision. And when I am super clear of what it is that I want to do, like when I tell you clear, I mean like clear where I am so incredibly inspired and motivated by it. Th that sends a snowball of manifestation that happens faster than anything that I can do. But when I'm unclear, nothing happens, nothing moves. And, I, and so I woke up every morning and I said, okay, after I did my meditation, I woke up and, and I said, all right, so you're thinking about living in Italy. You're living in California. You love the beach. You love the ocean. You're surfing. It's great. Now you're thinking about Italy. What does Italy look like to you? And I was like, close my eyes. And I was like, I, I see, I see myself walking on cobblestone streets. Mm -hmm. And that's like all I was able to come up with. And then the next morning it was like, I hear church bells ringing. And then every day for, I would say probably two months, I refined that vision. I changed words. I added sentences and I changed it every morning. And then there was a morning where I could, there was nothing I, I could change. There was no word that was any better. There was no extra sentence that I need. This was the impulse that I was having for what I wanted to do next with my life. And it was clear. And if you want, I can read it to you because I, it's, it's kind of short and I think it will help people. Is that cool with you? Yeah, 100%. We live in a magnificent palazzo in Florence that mixes old world charm with state-of-the-art amenities. Our expansive outdoor terrace has sweeping scenes of the city and nearby rolling hills of Tuscany, giving us a bird's eye view of what we came there for. My day begins at 6 a.m. in our home office with a view meditating, journaling, reading, and preparing myself for a great day ahead. At 7 a.m., the ringing church bells signal that Sophia, our daughter, is on her way in to see me. Mommy transfers the football to me to help me make breakfast so she can do her meditation. Sophia finds her way into her International School of Florence uniform, and as a family, we head to the bus stop. Along our walk, 
We chit chat with Sophia about life and we stay connected to her. We see her onto the bus, bus and watch as it points itself towards her day of education in a magnificent villa in the hills of Tuscany. Kim and I leave for our morning coffee, taking in the sounds and sights and vibe of Florence waking up. As our cappuccini disappears, leaving behind only its traces, we head home to work on projects that excite us. As the morning dissolves into the afternoon, we head for our energy shifting workouts to recenter ourselves to give Sophia our total attention. Some days we take the afternoon off to explore the art and culture that lives in our beautiful adopted city. Our nights are filled with aperitivo hours and evening passeggiatas and dinners made from passion. On the weekends, we explore Tuscany's food, wine, and truffle festivals in the beautiful surrounding countryside. When the desire hits us, we hop on a quick flight to, play, to places like Paris, Mykonos, or Spain to take advantage of all the great countries that surround us. We appreciate the simple and deeply fulfilling pleasures of living our La Dolce Vita. So that was the vision. And when I had that and I saw myself there, I, for the first time in my life, I'm going to tell you that I crafted a vision that I am living 99% of now. And the last 1% is the terrace. Um, and we just signed the deal on the place for the terrace, which I'll show you, uh, which is which is pretty amazing. Um, so that having that piece that made me go, oh, that's what I want to do. So every morning we wake up, you know, this little sprinter bus comes, we put her onto the bus and we, I just, I think of the vision and she just goes off and I could literally see from my window, the hills of Tuscany and she goes off to school and comes home every day. So it is the only time I have ever crafted a vision that was absolutely what manifested. So Chris's piece about how much money I needed to do it, my piece about what it looked like in a way that I was driven to do, then everything started to come to me. The lawyer came to me to get the, the, the visa, the, the, the friend of a friend who came to me to, to help me find the place to live here. And I can go on and on and on. Hey everyone, I wanted to take a minute and interrupt the show to let you know about something that we're getting ready to launch that I'm super excited about. For the first time ever, and probably the last time ever, we are launching a nine-week real estate accelerator program with me, with my advisors, in a small group of people, likely no more than 20. And this is going to be a nine-week program where we show up together virtually and we go through nine different modules around different types of real estate, why real estate, investing mindset, leverage versus all cash. We're going to talk about the benefits of taxes. We're going to talk about the benefits of partnering. Should you go it alone? Should you build a team? Should you build a partner? All the amazing things around real estate. I get so many people every single week asking me, Mike, where can I go get more information and knowledge around real estate investing that doesn't cost me 10,000, 40,000, $100,000 as a lot of these masterminds do. And so we decided that we wanted to launch a very, very affordable online program through nine weeks of course interaction online. But what I told my team is, I don't wanna stare at a camera and record a bunch of modules around knowledge and information. I wanna do this live one time, 
gather the information, gather the knowledge, have your energy in the room, have your real questions in the room, have your interaction in the room, and then we'll take that course and turn it into the online version, which anybody could have access to. So if you're interested in being in that course, being a part of that course with me, again, one time and one time only, text the word course to 480-531-7519. Um, we, we talked about this yesterday when I was on your podcast, but as a young entrepreneur, I think I was 25 years old. I was at a, um, an annual planning event with a consulting company that I had hired. And they made the statement that if your business isn't helping you achieve your personal goals, then you just own a job. And so many people, uh, as, you know, my, my audience included, um, a lot of them are W2 employees, but they're trying to find and earn their freedom. And I constantly come back to, and I love where you got to with this, with crafting that vision, I'm always coming back to a simple process of like, what do you really want? And when I was in that uh, annual planning event, one of the things that they asked us they, the entire first day of a three-day business planning cycle was all about your personal goals and what you really wanted out of life. And Karen and I did the, you know, the, um, the normal uh, Bonanza G36 airplane. We wanted a mountain house, a lake house, like all this stuff. But then when I really started realizing and thinking through that process at a young age, I realized what I wanted was my freedom, but I didn't know exactly what that meant. And so it took me on a journey of really crafting that vision. And so I love what you just, you know, decided and talked about there. But for, I mean, that wasn't that long ago. You said it was, I mean, by the math, it was probably six or eight months ago that all this came together for you. And it did. So how do you, what do you share with people about? Cause I think so many people hear stories like that and they're like, okay, Rob, that's great for you, but. Um, I think so many people think they can't do it. Yeah. Look, um, you can do that for your whole life. Right. And just think that you can't do it and you're not going to, it just, nothing's going to happen. You have to make, you know, as a chiropractor, I spent 25 years um, uh, dealing with back pain and the last 10 of those years I was, if one more person said their neck or back hurts, I was going to shoot myself. I couldn't, I couldn't deal with another minute. And, but I stayed in. And so every year it was like, I'm going to get out. And the next year I'm going to get out. And I did that for 10 years. And I call it living in 72 degrees. It's lukewarm. It's not too bad. It's not too good. It's the worst place to be because you, at least when something is going to shit, you, you're like, well, let's just get rid of this. Like, I, I hate this. But when it's like the money is good and it, I'm not like, I'm not digging ditches. It's not that bad. No, there's no change. And then my wife said to me, you're done this year at December 31st. It's over. I don't want to hear you complain. I don't want to go through another year of this. I don't care if we live on a box on the street. I am not, you, your life is not worth you spending one more year doing something that you are not passionate about. And the only thing that made the change for me, otherwise I'd still be in Atlanta, Georgia, adjusting backs. The only thing was I committed to December 31st and told my staff, December 31st, you're all out of a job. Mm. I will, if the practice isn't sold, I'll hang a gone fishing sign on the door and it's over. I'm walking away. And I meant it. It was the first time it ever happened. Now, that was not easy because I did not have a replacement for my income. So what I then did was I then got 
creative and said, okay, now what does my life look like? You're going to get what you want. You're getting out of chiropractic. Now, what do you really want to do? And that requires some soul searching. And that was, well, what do I like to do? I like to ask questions and interview people. Okay. Sounds like you'd have a good podcast. Okay. Let's do that. Um, what else do you like to do? You like, I like to travel. Okay. What's, what is it about travel? I, well, I love traveling with other entrepreneurs so we can brainstorm. Okay. Well, what if we did an event? And so then we hatched the idea to create a podcast and to create these work hard, play hard events. And those events quickly um, replaced my income. And when that happened, then I had freedom. Then it allowed me to be able to live anywhere I wanted in the world. And so then the question changed. So to answer long winded answer to, I made a decision and a deadline. There's a difference between a, deci a decision, I think, and resolve. A decision is, okay, I made a decision and I'm going to leave chiropractic. Resolve is that next step. It's where it's over. I don't need to talk about it. We don't need to complain about it. We don't need to vacillate back and forth on the ideas anymore. It's over. It's done. Finito. <laughs> and that thing is what changed it. Um, that comes back to doing more of what you love and less of what you don't, which I'm, I, I love that phrase. And, you know, we were having a conversation yesterday um, about your childhood, my childhood and the way we grew up. And, you know, I often, I often come back to, so when I quit my job and started my first business, I literally, you asked the question yesterday, like, you know, what would be my superpower? And it's making complex things simple. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people are, would be frozen by that thought process that you went through where you just, we're going to do this 1231. We're going to set a deadline. But when I did that, when Kara and I did that, number one, we were out of alignment with our values because I was missing, you know, I was away from my family. That's the whole reason why I exist. Um, but you know, the second part of that is I kind of reframe and look at like, what's the worst case scenario. If I quit this job and start a business, um, the worst case scenario for me was I would have to go back to the hell that I was currently living. And it just became mm. simple to me. Um, and that's what I mean by complex things, simple. So the reason why I brought up the childhood thing though, is I think, um, and I, I'm interested in your opinion on this. Um, do you think that the way that you were brought up and, you know, being with your drunk alcoholic parents, like you said, at the beginning of the show, does that have any impact on your ability to just make those decisions or, or do you think it's just a, a process that anybody should and can go through? Um, I think it did. Have, by, by the way, my dad was the only drunk. I, I, I said parents earlier. My mom, my mom didn't drink, although at New Year's she did. And then she was really funny when she did. Um, <laughs> my dad was my, my dad was the bad one. Um, yeah, of course, you know, like the driver for me, we touched on this yesterday, right? The driver for me and I had I, I held such resentment for you know, being robbed of so many things from my childhood. And then I sort of like woke up one day and I was like, because I didn't have those things, it drove me to want to have those things. And I can't say that if I was given them, who knows, but I can't say if I was given them that, you know, I, I, I would have the same drive now. So that uh, we're never going to be able to answer that one. But I think, I think, yes, I think that was the driver. And then um, the, what was the other part of the question? 
Um, I don't remember exactly, but one thing that I am thinking about now that you've said that, you know, we were talking yesterday about at some point in time, people just have to take responsibility and just, you know, move on. Um, so, you know, maybe touch on that too, because I think there's a lot of people that are probably again, stuck in that pattern where we've been trained from the time we're little, whether it's alcoholic parents or people that expect too much on us when it comes to grades and what we're going to be in life or whatever. Um, and then there's people like us that are just like, you know what, fuck it. Um, I'm doing what I want. <laughs> this is an interesting conversation because, um, okay. So what you're alluding to is a friend of mine said to me um, on a, on a vacation, he said, uh, he's one of these guys that doesn't say much, but when he does, you listen. And he said, do you think there should be a childhood? Do you think that there should be a statute of limitations on um, childhood trauma? And I thought, God, that's such an insightful question. Um, and I said, I know you motherfucker. I know why you're saying that because you're tired of hearing me complain about my, my dad. Um, I, he, uh, and my immediate, my gut reaction was to fight him and say, do you know what he did to me? But then my second more mature 50 year, year old ish answer was you're right. At some point you got to let it go. Now I have a friend uh, that, that you don't know. It's a family member. And we were somewhere and he is complaining about his dad. And I said the exact same thing to him. And he instantly jumped back to me. He goes, absolutely not. And I said, you don't think so? He goes, no. And he went on. And I knew in that moment, I was like, oh, wow. We either make a decision to dig our feet and prove that we were wronged and he didn't take me fishing and he was a drunk and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we just spend the rest of our lives trying to let the whole world know how you were wronged or we recognize that and we say, yeah, it happened. There were good things. There were bad things, but I'm moving on. And it is not easy to do. And we're all in different shade, uh, shades of gray on this about not shades of gray. We're all in different time frames of when we can let it go. You know, my dad's past now. So perhaps it's a little easier for me. I don't know, maybe harder, who knows. But the point is that at some point you have to reconcile what happened to you in your youth, whether it was at the hands of a, a parent or whatever. And you probably are 100% justified, not probably, you are 100% justified in feeling the way you do. Now what? <laughs> now what? You want me to listen to you? You want me to listen to you? Tell me about how awful it was. Okay. Yeah. But I'm just going to do that again next year. And we're going to be right back where we were. Well, and I love, you know, you were talking earlier in the show about, you know, changing your state and that exercise. And I'm just even thinking about this when you were a chiropractor and it, so on a daily basis, you were discussing changing your state, but there's also these huge ruts that we find ourselves in you being a chiropractor and hating your life and your wife, you know, grabbing you and jerking you and saying, you know, she, she put you in a position where you also changed your not only state, but environment and everything that was going on currently in your world. And I, I think this is an interesting conversation because 
sometimes it's our dad, but sometimes it's, you know, preconceived ideas or what we thought we wanted our life to look like. There are so many people. I talk to literally lawyers and doctors on a regular basis that have put 10, 12 years into education. Uh, and I mean, you were one of them and it's the fallacy of sunk costs, right? And that's easy to talk about when we're talking about business and I've got all this money invested in it and should I roll it up? But it's a lot harder when we realize that we've invested so much time and energy into the person that we thought we were. And, and what I heard you say through all that, your wife literally, um, this, like helped you get away from that. And I think that that's what so many people struggle with. And even like I said earlier, when I was thinking about quitting my job, my thought process was what's, what's the worst case scenario. I go back to the hell that I'm currently living in. And so just like there's a statute of limitations on, you know, childhood trauma, there should also be a statute of limitations on the limiting beliefs and the idea that we had a certain outcome planned for our life. And yet we've decided to change. And what, one thing that I'm constantly talking about, and people think it's simple, but what do you really want? Why do you want it? What are you going to do to get it? Measure results. And the fifth part of this that I always anchor on is adjust because sometimes our life changes. Sometimes our desires change. Sometimes our plans change and that's okay. It's actually a good thing. You, well, for, first of all, are you familiar with Tony Robbins uh, ultimate success formula? Have you ever heard him say it? I no. <laughs> You literally, you literally have Tony Robbins ultimate success formula. Know what you want. Notice whether or not it's working. Change your approach if it isn't. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. It's three things. It's essentially what you just said in different words. So I love that. Two things that you said that are really sticking out for me. First one is sunk cost. Yes. I, um, I said I spent $150,000 to get this degree. I built up a practice. I um, have goodwill in the neighborhood. Um, I work three days a week. I have two months a year off. I have doctors that are working for me. Um, I did all this time to build this machine, but I don't like it. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I'm not happy. So sunk cost was a big one for me. The degree it's so funny now. I could give a fuck. I, I didn't even tell anybody that there's a doctor in front of my name ever. But, it, but then I wouldn't make a reservation without saying, this is Dr. Murgatroyd. It was a big deal to me because I worked so hard to get the degree, right? The other thing that came to mind when you said that, I wrote down the word identity. My identity, you know, Tony Robbins, again, there's a lot of Tony Robbins here, but Tony Robbins said that the strongest need in the human condition is our desire to remain consistent with how we define ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat, I'm a dad, I'm a chiropractor, whatever, whatever the identification is, it is almost impossible for us to hear an opposing point of view, or it's almost impossible for us to not work in alignment with anything different than that. So, so for me at the time, professionally, it was, I'm a chiropractor. That's what I am. I'm a chiropractor. And it was really, really difficult. So I was fighting identity. I was fighting sunk costs. I was fi fighting that 72 degree thing. And it was a lot to overcome. It, it, it sounds silly because I made great money doing it, but it was really hard for me to overcome. I almost wish that like it was worse because I would have been easier to get, to get over. So um, I, I love that sunk cost piece. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really interesting too. And I'm just thinking about as you, you know, progress through that journey, it, it's a hard thing to break out of. And, but even just back to 
And again, I'm not making excuses around this. We can't anchor on it, but what's the first question I've, you know, had so many conversations around this. What's the first question we ask each other in America? What do you do? do? Yeah. And it's like such a, it, we are so programmed and I don't know if this is intentional. Um, There's a part of me that thinks if we go back a hundred, you know, years, 150 years, that part of that was an intentional, um, I guess, uh, I don't want to go off on a conspiracy theory train, but also like taking away our identities in the sense that, um, you know, creating employees and all of this stuff. I don't know if people are that smart to really create a pro, but that's the question. What do you do? And our identities are so wrapped up into that. And I love, I'm so inspired by what you've done because you've just, you've broken out of that. And I think everybody wants to break out of that. And a lot of times we just don't know how to, but it's just taking that right next step. And even what you were talking about with state, I'm sitting here thinking about your, I don't know what you call it, your vision. What, what do you call that thing that you wrote? I, I just called it a vision, but you can call it whatever you want. So I think about that. And so you broke out of your mold of, you know, who you were, Dr. Murgatroyd, which I might just have to call you that from now on. I don't, I don't know. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you broke out of all of that. And what, what's really exciting when I heard your vision statement Um, it's just like the rich getting richer and people get pissed off about this, but the reality is you broke out of that mold and now you're living in an environment. You were talking about changing your state on a daily basis before, but you've literally changed your entire state and environment. And it's an unfair advantage. Some people would say, um, because you're going to exponentially grow now because you're in an environment where I, you're, you're obviously flourishing. And so if you didn't put yourself in that environment, what would you be missing out on? Well, listen, this is a great question, um, but there's two things that you said that I want to I want to make sure I hit on um, because it, it this is everything is new for me right now. It's like, um, you know, like uh, when you move into a new I don't know state or a new neighborhood, uh, you're very, very aware of where you are because it's new. So when you're driving somewhere, it's like you, you you're, you're like looking, is this the street? Is it in your present? But then after a while, it's like you get to work, you get to the office or whatever, and you're like, I don't even I don't even remember driving here because you become so habituated. Well, when we moved to Italy, everything was new, like everything. So I am hyper, hyper aware now of everything. So I'm writing these posts that are coming out of me about like a garbage man that I'm seeing. And I'm like, I'm seeing these like things from different eyes, right, because it's all new. And so you said something, which is, what do you do? And I, I went out last night with some guys and we had just this conversation. It's funny. These guys um, are both Italian and we were talking about, you know, what do you do? And I realized that I've been here three months. Not one person has asked me what I do. Not one Like I can't go five minutes in America without going to dinner or lunch or something without somebody going, Hey, what do you do? And it, it dawned on me that their, their world is set up here for living. And I have had more conversations about pasta and wine and oil. I I can't, it's all they talk about. It's all they talk about. It's like we are literally fighting over. They do not have the best gelato. You're out of your minds. You go there. They don't know the olive oil. Forget that olive oil. This and I'm like, oh, my God. And you get into it and you're lost in these, you know, in these subjects here. And to your point on 
the environment that I changed, I coined something that I think is really, I think it's, I have to prove this out, but we always talk about nature and nurture, right? I think there is nature, nurture, and neighborhood. Mm. So nature, it's my DNA. Nurture, it's I had alcoholic parents. Neighborhood is I'm walking down the cobblestone streets listening to the church bells. Mm. If you're an alcoholic, maybe your nature, maybe you were born with the alcoholic gene. They always talk about that, right? Nurture, perhaps it was an alcoholic father. But if I take somebody who's in recovery and I put them in the bar, it could change their path. Mm -hmm. So the neighborhood, i.e. the bar, is I think people give way more thoughts to what they want to do and less thought on where Mm -hmm. they want to do it. Because the where of what you want to do is entirely life-changing. When I walk outside this door and I am surrounded by churches that are well over a thousand years old and horses and wine from Tuscany and all of the things that make up Florence, I am completely different. And if you really want to get woo-woo, there's a concept called epigenetics. And epigenetics is the genes that are out there in this ether. I am absorbing those genes by being here. And arguably, if I'm in Compton, where people are getting shot up and going through all kinds, I'm also absorbing that. So neighborhood is really, really important to making a decision for how you want to live your life. Because I'll tell you, if there's no way that I could live the depth of fulfillment for me, it could be Germany for somebody else, or it could be California. I don't know. But for me, I could not live this level of fulfillment if I stayed in America. I wouldn't, I would not have it for me personally. So I needed to know what I needed to help me craft the vision for the stage of life that I'm in now. Did you know when, and maybe a better question too, is do you know um, why you were moving to Italy or, or is it just, is there a specific outcome there or was it like, I mean, now you're learning to slow down and you're thinking about neighborhood. Um, Did you know why you were going or was Mm -hmm. it? Yeah, it was, um, I wanted to live a life that was more human. I wanted to live a life where people looked at each other in the eye they said hello when they walked down the street. They sincerely wanted to get to know you. Um, I wanted to be around things that I value at a high level. I mean, this sounds crazy. I love food. I love wine. I love culture. I want to challenge myself and learn new things like Italian. So, then there was a practical side of it. If I can be real with you, my um, daughter's school backed up 
in Hermosa Beach backed up to a, I'm sorry, my home in Hermosa Beach backed up to my daughter's school. So we would hear the kids playing and we went when it was in school because of COVID, but we'd hear the, 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 the kids playing. And one day we hear, get under the table, get under the table, get under the table. And we're like, what the hell's happening? They're doing a shooter drill and they're preparing. They have these, now they have these kits that they're training the children that if somebody gets shot, they're going to teach the kids how to do a tourniquet, how to help the kids in case they're literally doing combat training on kindergartners. Mm-hmm. And there was a confluence of things. There was um, the rioting in the streets that basically burns, uh, burned down Santa Monica right next to me. There was the storming of the Capitol. There was um, regular shooting. And this is all during a a pandemic. Do you know what I mean? Like people are supposed to be home. Like this is what's going on when you, like you're literally saying you can't leave your house and this is going on, right? And so I said, is this how I want to live the, where, is this where I want to live the rest of my life? Because it doesn't look like it's getting better. It looks like it's getting worse. And is this now where I want my, six-year-old at the time to live her life? And the answer was clearly no. And then the, the third thing I should say that since, since this was um, there's a friend that Chris Harder introduced me to. His name's Chris Goodman. He's a great coach. Um, and we did a call on this. And I said, man, I'm really confused because I love, I love Italy and everything. And this is kind of when I was forming it. Um, but I love the beach here too, man. I love California. I've always wanted to live here and I'm going back and forth. He said, well, where's California on the scale of one to 10? I said, it's like a 10. I love the, I love the, it was weather for me. I love the weather. He goes, well, where's Italy? I was like, it's a 10. And I, I said, that's the problem. I can't really tell. He was a really good coach. And he said, if you had two years left to live, like really put yourself in that state. You have two years. You just got the diagnosis. You got two years. You're going to die in two years. Where are you spending those two years? I said, oh, it's clear, Italy. And he asked me why. And I told him a lot of the reasons why I just told you. And um, it, you know, he's smart coach and he, he, didn't, he didn't put his finger on it. And he just said rhetorically, well, what does that mean to you? And it was, it was like in that moment, I was like, okay, it's, it's clear. It's clear. I know what we need to do. So there was not one thing. There was a ton of things, but the, but it was like it started with that vision and then it started to get clearer. And then there was like conflict, L.A., Italy. And then it was like getting clearer. And then there was like riots. And then I started justifying it, saying, yeah, but do I, you know, once you get that, like I read that vision to you. Now, imagine reading that vision in the morning and then hearing get under the table, get under the table. Do you know what I mean? It's like so opposite. And so the contrast started rearing its ugly head everywhere, everywhere. It's like crazy Californian politics and, and shooter drills and storming the Capitol and riots. And I went, I'm just going to go eat pizza. Like, like this is, this is, this is not how I want to live my life. And it was ballsy. It wasn't easy. And we didn't know what it was going to be like, but, but we did it. I love it, man. Um, moving from uh, practicing for, you know, gun drills at school to fighting about olive oil. It's pretty, you got it. It's pretty amazing. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be respectful of your time and, and wrap it up here, but um, through this conversation, I'm 
right before the pandemic hit, right before the lockdowns and everything, we were on a family trip to Maui. We literally came, flew into Arizona, like they locked us down a day later. But we had this conversation there and I don't know what spawned it, but we were thinking back to in the Bible um, in Genesis when Adam and Eve ate the apple or whatever, and, and they came back and they were covered themselves. And God said, you know, why, why are you covered? And they said, well, we're naked. And he said, who told you that? Um, and so my kids, I don't even know why we were talking about all this on that trip, but we've since then constantly framed back to like, who told you that? Because there's all these like things that, you know, their eyes were opened and, and these limiting beliefs that we have in life and um, all these reasons why we can't, you know, quit our job as a chiropractor or why we couldn't live in Italy. And it's been something that's totally, I hear my kids saying it all the time, like, who told you that? And it's just a reframing. And this entire conversation has just brought me back to, you know, just thinking about that conversation over the last two years. And, you know, who told you that you're the example. Um, and again, I'm really excited to share this show with the community because you're a great example of, you know, who told you that? Like who told that's you? So that? good. Yeah. God, that's so good. I never heard that before. It's, I got to go back and, and read that book. There's, there's a lot of characters in that book. Um, I definitely got to read it. Um, who told you that? God, that, that should be the name of this podcast. That's really good. Name of this episode. It's really, really good. Because what? Because there's there's not this. Um, I think the you know I think the who told you that is like this self imposed thing that we have. Like, well, isn't that? I, I told myself that. I told myself, yeah, but you can also tell yourself you can leave. Yeah. You're telling yourself you have to stay, but you're also telling yourself you can leave. And then, okay, one more thing. When you expand, when, when you take a balloon and you expand it, once it's expanded, it never can go back to where it was. It's now expanded. And so once you do this one time, if you get the balls to just make that, whatever it is for you, to just do that thing, and cross that line, you can't go back. You could never, ever go back. All you can do is just take that next one. So you, so it's like that leap. You got to take that leap. If you could just do that leap, what you want's on the other side of it. So good. So good. Well, um, you have so many amazing things going on. You were talking about your experiences, your, you know, travel, the things you put together and I, you know, take a minute and share what you have going on. I'm actually joining you on a trip this next year and super excited. About it, so you are. So basically I do events around the world for entrepreneurs that um, want to get out of their day to day and uh, gain some perspective of their challenges and problems that they have and um, meet other entrepreneurs and um, do it in such a way that allows them to perhaps collaborate with each other, to bounce ideas off of, to have a new group of people, but not do it in the back of a classroom, not do it on the big long table, you know, with the, the water and the mint and the, the you know, the, the, the notepad in the back of a hotel, but do it in a place that's inspiring. So you and I are going to have a very different conversation when we're sitting in, you know, Saint-Tropez looking out at the you know, deep blue ocean about life and business. And then we would in the back of a holiday Inn in New Jersey, you're just going to be in a different state. And when I do that with a group of, you know, 15, 20 people, they, 
what happens is, you know, like, let's say Wednesday night, you know, we're having that glass of champagne. And then, you know, you tell me some challenges, you're working on this night, you know, round table discussion thing. And I'm listening to it. And, you know, you don't even really know if I heard you, but you think I did. And then the next day I wake up and I say, you know, I was, I was thinking about what you said last night about the round table thing. And then we, we talk a little bit more. And then the next day it's like, you know, Okay, so there's an evolution that happens. And I noticed that when I was going to other events that I was always like trying to pull somebody out of the room to go to the bar, to talk to them at the bar and go, hey man, you said something in there. What, what, did, like, what did you mean? And I said, I flipped it around. I said, what if I create an entire event that was the bar, not with alcohol, but, but was outside of sitting there listening to some prepackaged speaker tell me, the same dog and pony show that he's going to tell 50 more times in 50 more cities that is great. And you learn things from, but what if we learn from each other, like really learn from each other and had natural collisions where like I'm running into you, you know, in uh, like the, this next one we were talking about earlier, I'm, I'm planning one now where we're going to be doing in uh, Dubai and we're going to go to Abu Dhabi and we're going to do the F1 race. Like, you know, watch the F1 race. We're not going to drive, but watch the F1 race. Like what, like what kind of environment is that to see, you know, the highest paid athletes in the world are racing F1 car and, and expanding the consciousness. Like the last one we did, we went to Massimo Batura's restaurant, the number one restaurant in the world. And we did a nine course lunch over four hours. And they taught us, how they crafted each dish that made them the number one restaurant in the world now three years in a row. Wow. He's, on chef, he's on chef's table if you wanna see it. And so all these experiences that I design are again, to put you in state. Sometimes they, like this last one, they were in Milan, they walked outside their hotel and I had 10 Ferraris that were waiting for them to go in. And we went through the streets of Milan and we had walkie talkies and we're going through Milan and we pull up in a cheese factory and we open up a cheese wheel. And then, you know, we go to a balsamic vinegar tasting place where we learn how, you know, it, it ages over 25 years. And then we go to Lake Como and we're landing a seaplane on the lake. So it's all these experiences that you can't help but be in the moment and present. And when you land the seaplane and you high five each other and then you go out and you're having a conversation you're like, holy shit, that was crazy. You are away from your business. You're away from your day to day. You're away from your challenges and you gain perspective with people that are your people. Yep. So that, that's what I do. I love it. Um, and I was on your podcast yesterday, share the podcast because it's all about this. So if you've loved this show, um, Rob's podcast is just a continuation of everything he's been sharing. Yeah. Uh, thank you. It's work hard, play hard podcast.com. Nice. Is that the best way for people to find you or? Yeah. Just, just Google work hard, play hard. More stuff about me. will come up. You'll see all uh, my evolutions of hairdos. <laughs> I love it. Well, I feel like we could um, go on for hours. So maybe a part two later next year. You got it, brother. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having uh, time with me. Cheers. You got it. You got it. If you found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom, I would be forever grateful if you would share this show with them and help me get this message out to more listeners. 
Also, if you enjoy what you've heard, I would appreciate it if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. And until the next episode, cheers to moving further along in your journey of investing for freedom.